Welcome to the Eastern Hills Audio Podcast. We exist to help as many people as possible take their next step towards finding community and following Christ. Maybe you've got questions about Jesus. Maybe you're good with Jesus, just not his church. Maybe you're feeling disconnected and want to reconnect. We think you'll find our messages both helpful and hopeful. So enjoy. For the past few weeks, we've been talking uh, about this idea that every song is a story, that every song tells a story. And it's this time of year where we listen to a lot of Christmas music, and every song is telling a specific story. This happened to me uh, this week. I was in the, the grocery store, and they've got Christmas music coming on. And before I even just recognized, I was singing along to this very familiar song. And every time we think about some of these words, whether it's in song or maybe some of the movies that we watch, it's, it's saying something. And what we're doing throughout this series is we're taking Advent and using it as a lens. Advent simply means arrival. It's this time of year where we remember the arrival of Christ come to dwell amongst humanity and what that means for when we talk about hope and what that means when we talk about joy and peace and love. And we're gonna use Advent as a lens to say, okay, what does that teach? And what are some of these familiar stories that we sing every year also teaching? And where, where might there be alignment and where might there be a disconnection? Because regardless of what you believe to be true about Jesus, nobody wakes up saying, I wanna be deceived. I wanna be believing something that is not true. And so throughout this series, we're exposing maybe some things that we believe, either about God, this world, or other people that simply isn't true, and we're encouraging you to consider what is true. And so the past few weeks, we've looked at familiar Christmas songs that we sing. There's no place like home for the holidays, or it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, and some of you have auditioned. You've had your American Idol moment the past few weeks, and we've sung along. We're not going to do that this week. So if you have uh, been practicing all week, warming up the vocal cords, sorry uh, to disappoint you. Uh, but this song we're looking at this morning is Happy Christmas, War is Over, written by the Plastic Ono Band, who are you more familiar, uh, in a more familiar fashion, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Now, in 1971, there was a lot happening in this country. Historically, this is the time of the, the Vietnam War, and, and Lennon was, was very outspoken about wanting a world of peace. Here's some of the lyrics of this song. And so this is Christmas, and what have we done? And in the background of this song, there's this, this choir-esque moment of war is over if you want it. And the lyric says, another year over, a new one just begun. War is over if you want it. So, so Lenin, he believed that peace was possible, but his worldview was that if you wanted to obtain peace, if you wanted to experience peace, you just had to visualize it. That if you simply visualized peace, you could manifest peace in your life. It was also common for him during interviews to talk about really, if we want to experience peace in this world, then it could come through the eradication of religion that religion often causes war, and because we have war, we lack peace. And so he would agree with a very common definition of peace, and maybe you've described peace in this way before, that peace is the absence of conflict. Now, imagine with me, if you can, a peaceful moment. What does that scene look like for you? I was thinking about it this week, you know, fireplaces going, kids are in bed asleep, because that's important. 
you know, some Bing Crosby going on in the background, warm beverage with my spouse. It's just, it's a peaceful moment. Contrast that with, that's not fair. Stop touching me. I had it first over and over and over again throughout the day. Not peaceful and certainly not free from conflict. It's this time of year where we experience tremendous conflict. We go into this time of year thinking, oh, it's the holidays and time to muster up hope and joy and peace and prosperity, and then reality hits. Moms, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Take a look at this video. We meet again. Get ready to be totally stressed out. Come on! Unappreciated. What? And ill-prepared. Tell me you defrosted it. No! It's our only option. Ah. Keep pushing! It's the holidays. Tis the season to be jolly. Despite nothing going your way. I'm all out. I just can't do it all. You're a mom. You were made for this. Somehow, you'll find a way to be merry. Coming way too soon. I gotta tell you, if the holidays is about absence of conflict, peace is not going to be possible. I resonate with a moment in that video, the whole holiday photo shoot. Have you done that before with kids? It's a whole adventure. So it's Thanksgiving, and my wife has cooked this delicious Thanksgiving dinner. I'm ready, I'm all dressed up, and the kids are all dressed up, and I thought my wife was ready for the photo, so I've got my iPhone stand that's gonna you know, do the little timer thing, and I'm thinking, here we go, family photo, and my wife says, no, I'm not finished getting ready, you just take the photo with the kids, no. We gotta be everyone in the photo. No, 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 I haven't got the chance to get ready yet, and it's like, no, we're going to take this photo. So now mom and dad, are going back and forth, and she says, no, you just sit at the table with the kids. So she takes a photo, and I'm just like miserable like this. And so then she sits down at the table, and I get up and get my phone and kind of secret Photoshop. I'm like, okay, no, look at you. And now she's upset, and she's saying, you know, you're ruining Thanksgiving in this moment. We will take this photo. And the kids are getting upset. What's going on with mom and dad? And so finally we sit down, and we take this photo, and we're all smiling. But I promise you, moments before that, all was not well in the Ryerson household. There was conflict. Now, if you've had moments like that, or if you've experienced moment in this, in moments of conflict in this season, there is good news. Christmas reminds us that peace can be found in the presence of conflict. You see, last week, Luke told us about the moment that the angels appeared to anonymous shepherds in the field. 
and that the news that they brought would bring happiness. And people would be rejoicing at the delivery of this news, and it would cause great joy. But this moment doesn't just stop there. As if this wasn't spectacular enough, Luke also tells us, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying. Now, if you grew up uh, singing hymns in, in church, you've heard of the doxology and it talks about the hosts, you know, the heavenly hosts. And so when we talk about the heavenly hosts, what, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's the dwelling of, of, of angels that dwell in God's presence. It's this celestial army that God controls and is at his command. They're created by God. They're controlled by God. And one day we're promised as Christians that we are going to experience eternity with them. Now, Hollywood movies and cinema, they'll say that maybe we'll become angels. No, we'll be with the angels and we'll experience the heavenly host. Luke continues, he says, Glory, what is said is that the angel delivered this message, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, contextually, here's what's happening. Now, we, this song, you know, Happy Christmas War is Over, is written during a time of, of war and conflict. Now, at the arrival of this good news, God's people would have been familiar with war they would have seen some of the fruit that comes from war and people losing their lives and the effect that it has on society. And God's people, they thought that the Messiah was coming as a soldier to wage war, the war that would end all wars. But God knew that there was a greater need amongst humanity. One philosopher describes it this way, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. You see, not only in the Christmas story is conflict a major theme, it's, it's written from the Old Testament all the way in through the New Testament. And it's during the Christmas story where we're reminded of the conflict that's happening, the story behind the story, and that there was a, a, a dream that took place both in Joseph's lives and the, 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 wise, the wise men as well. And the, the warning was that King Herod was out to do anything that he could to get in the way of the arrival of a king that threatened his kingship. That's the conflict that's taking place within the Christmas narrative. And years later, even when Joseph would, would say, I want to return to Israel, King's, King Herod's son started his reign by slaughtering 3,000 people, picking up where his father left off, in which he delivered the um, order for ch male children to be killed under the age of two. This is the, the family dynamic of King Herod and his son and, and the conflict that's taking place within the Christmas story. One author describes it this way, the Jesus story in its historical context is one of human terror and divine mercy, of human abuse and divine, divine love. Now, years before this, the prophet Isaiah spoke of a time in which humanity would, would no longer experience war, that there would be peace. But Jesus showing up 
was God's way of dealing with the war within each one of us. But there is a conflict within humanity that God needed to first reconcile. Paul explained this in his letter to the Church of Rome. He says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. See, this verse teaches us so much about the gospel. It is true that Jesus came and he was born. It is true that he lived a life that none of us could possibly live. He was without sin, he was righteous, he was holy. God had a standard, he met that standard. But he also died the death that we rightfully deserved to die, to pay the debt that we could not pay ourselves. He was buried and he also rose again, appearing to as many as 500 people at one time and then promising to return once again to bring about a new era. And if this is true, what that means for humanity is that we now have an opportunity to experience forgiveness. Forgiveness of what? Well, forgiveness of sin. When we talk about sin, sin is being fully persuaded that I have the power to do what God has promised. This has been the battle from the beginning, that you and I, we can be like God, that we determine our purpose. We discern what is right and what is wrong. We give our own meaning to our lives. And when we believe that, when we live our life this way, we fall short of the standard that God has. Now, faith is being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what God has promised. That when we experience faith, we change our mind about what we believe about God, sin, others, humanity, and how we live our lives. And the moment that we believe, once we experience faith through what took place on the cross, we are forgiven. Forgiveness says you may go that you've been set free, that there once was this wall, this barrier between you and your creator. But because of forgiveness, it's been removed. You may go. But justification and what Paul's talking about is something different. Justification says, you may come. See, forgiveness says the jail cell is open. You've been forgiven. That debt has been paid. You are free to go. But justification says, now you are free to stand in the presence of God. Justification is being welcomed home. That's what Paul is describing here when he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. And all of this is only possible because of grace. It's a gift that you've been given. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You simply receive it. But all of us live in a world that longs for peace. And the message of the gospel is, peace is found first through the cross in Christ. Only when we experience peace through believing in faith in Christ can we start to experience the type of peace that we so desire. So first it takes believing these words before we can experience what Luke is describing here. Glory to God in the highest heaven 
and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. First step is reconciliation, reconciled to God. But once we place our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to work within our lives. Suddenly, we get to experience peace and God uses us to help other people experience peace in the lives of those around us. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let me just ask you an honest question for a moment. How many of you in the past 18 to 24 months have felt fear? We have a lot in common. There's a lot of that happening. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what might happen next. We live in a time where there's political division. There's racial division. There's economic frustration, and then we have a pandemic. And then you throw on some of the normal physical ailments that some of us have had to deal with from diagnosis. Not to mention that mental health, while we praise God for that being something that more and more people are talking about, that more and more people are struggling with their mental health. It's, it's anything but, but peaceful. And then you throw in even what happened this weekend and some of the tornadoes that ripped through the Midwest. Hundreds of people. I believe it's over 100 people at this point that they're saying that that's where the death toll is at at this point. But, but many people's homes massacred through tornadoes. Suddenly the gifts under the tree don't matter as much. Their lives will never be the same. And so in this moment, when we experience this, we say, yes, I, I would like this, Jesus. This peace that you have to offer that I can't get from the world, where, where I can experience life without fear. How, how does this happen? Well, what's interesting about the, the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, is that it's so much more than, than a truce, an end of a conflict, an end of a war. What it means is security. What it means is to experience being complete. It speaks to our well-being. This is what Jesus has to offer us. He says, shalom I leave with you, my shalom I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, the problem is, is that when we talk about peace, we often get it confused because peace can be used in a subjective manner and an objective manner. And so how do we know what type of peace we're talking about in the scriptures is that the context is always king. You see, there's the type of peace that is interpersonal harmony. And then there's the type of peace that's interpersonal harmony. The first here is what I experience after Thanksgiving dinner. Peace. All is well. My stomach's full. Gonna settle in for a nice nap. Watch some football. I'm at peace. 
Or peace is what, what I experience after I stay up till like 11.30 at night and the team that I was watching be just another team that just happens to be from Western New York and it was worth watching the game in the end. It's peace. But then there's interpersonal harmony. And this deals to the relationships and the people that we do life with. Take a look here. This is a common verse that describes peace, and often it's used out of context. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. This is the verse that many people will use in decision-making. I have a decision that I need to make, and I feel good about the decision that I've made, and so we say, I have peace about it. It's Christ ruling in my, in my heart. I have peace about this decision. Here, here's the danger. Uh, 13 years of doing ministry, I've sat in my office uh, with couples that say, we're going to get a divorce and we have peace about it. What do you do when someone says, this is what God has told me? This is what I believe God wants me to do. How do you discern whether it's your voice, the world's voice, the enemy's voice, or God's voice that is saying that you're experiencing peace? In context, what Paul is talking about here is not decision-making. What he's talking about is harmony within the body, unity. He's talking about forgiveness and love and experiencing peace with one another. So if Paul were here today, he might say something like this. Peace is a quality in, not a compass for Christians. Peace was not meant to be the way that we discern decision-making in our lives. Well, some might say, oh, I've got a question, Pastor. What about the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit work? Because I've experienced times in my life where I felt the presence of God prompting me to have a conversation with someone. And in that conversation, I found out that they were having an incredibly hard time. I was able to pray for them and God's work was done. How do we discern that that's something that God is doing in that moment? Well, first of all, anything that the Holy Spirit leads us to do will always align with his word. And it'll always be for God's purposes and not our own. Does the Holy Spirit guide, lead, convict, and convince? Absolutely. Are those moments where you're in the grocery store and you sense the presence of God leading you to respond in a certain way? Can God work in that way? A hundred percent. But ask yourself, is this for my purposes or his purposes? Because Peter was clear and that this is how the Holy Spirit works in our life. That those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for what purpose? To be obedient to Christ. Always the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Christ, pointing us to live like Christ. This is possible through our connection through Christ on the cross. And so once we experience salvation, and we're right with God and, and we experience reconciliation, we're at peace with him, now the Holy Spirit begins to work in our life to bring about peace in other people's life. So when we talk about peace after we've come to faith, really peace is more about character than circumstances. 
But often when we talk about peace, it's in the context of what? Our circumstances, the conflict in our lives. Here's what's fascinating about the Christmas story. This often goes unnoticed. Mary and Joseph are in the midst of tremendous conflict and they exercise tremendous hospitality. Think about the journey that Mary and Joseph have been on. 80 miles, she's pregnant, delivers a child on the run, the threat of murder hanging in the background. You get through that moment, it's not a hospital, there's no nice bed, there's not, you know, the five-star treatment, none, 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 none of that. And then, what does she do? Yeah, just bring on the shepherds. Just bring them on in. Just, well, you know, I don't know who these people are. You know, she's grown up her life, they're unclean, we're not supposed to associate, but let's just bring them all in and celebrate the birth of the Messiah. No problem. Time goes by, and then the, the wise men from afar, uh, who, who believe who knows what, likely not aligned biblically, again unclean, sure, let's just welcome them in. In the midst of all of that conflict, they chose peace instead of hostility. They chose welcome instead of fear. With everything that is going on. Guys, I gotta be honest. My, when my second child was born, we had our in-laws over and my wife went into labor. She's upstairs. And my brother-in-law, and my family watches this, so I love you. Um, my wife's up giving birth, and my, my brother-in-law, who was living with us at the time, says, hey, can I have my girlfriend over? <laughs> what? And so there's, there's my in-laws, my, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, and my, my brother-in-law and his girlfriend just hanging upstairs. I'm upstairs talking to my wife. She's, you know, going through all the labor pains. Yep, it's going to be great. Get them out of here. Walk down the stairs. Hey, everybody, how you doing? So it's amazing to me the level of hospitality that Mary and Joseph chose to extend in the midst of an incredibly difficult set of circumstances. Here's what this looks like. Here's the world we live in. Conflict. Constantly. But because of the peace that we have that's made possible through Christ on the cross and the Holy Spirit working within us, God chooses to use us to bring about hospitality in seasons of conflict. God chooses to use us to bring about peace through generosity. God chooses to use us to bring about peace through forgiveness and the conflict of relationships that we have in the workplace, at home, in our community, in our neighborhoods. And so when the world experiences moments like this, it's when it's time for the church to show up because of the peace that we've experienced through our creator. Just imagine what those in this community are experiencing in this moment. But then like the Christmas story, God shows up. He shows up through you and he shows up through me. Conflict, 
peace at work. I've got a friend in, in, in ministry and um, I got a chance to, to connect with her this week. And, and she has the opportunity to talk to a lot of leaders across the country. And I said, what is God doing? What are you seeing? And she happens to be in the state of Wisconsin, which has been in the news as of late. And what she said is that it's been remarkable to see the local church link arms and step into intense conflict to be the feet of Jesus, the love of Christ, and extend peace. There is a tremendous opportunity. Listen, even this weekend in our community, how many had experienced even conflict with the governor's announcement on Friday? Some people said, this is great. We've needed to do this for a long time. Some people are frustrated and instantly over the weekend in this community, conflict. All the time. So, so where does the church speak into all of this? Some of you have had the opportunity to go out to and be a part of what the Vineyard Church has started through the food pantry. And some of you give up your time on a Saturday morning and you go and, and help people that are experiencing the conflict that comes from poverty. The pastor there wrote me to deliver this message to our congregation. She says, I am Jean Holm, the new site pastor here at Vineyard Church Westcott. I want to express my heartfelt appreciation for all that Eastern Hills Bible Church has done for our Vineyard Connect food pantry. This food pantry would not be successful without the hard work and dedication of Janie Stefan and her team of six to 10 volunteers she brings every week. We love having them here. They are always so warm and loving. Last Saturday was our Thanksgiving turkey giveaway. I was overcome with joy and gratitude when Janie told me that Eastern Hills would be donating 163 turkeys and 100 pies. As a result, we were able to give out a turkey to every family who wanted one. In total, we served 190 families. Since July, we have served over 620 families, which includes 413 children. That's 1,036 1, adults and 264 elderlies. We have calculated that we have given out over 15,400 meals. She says, we have seen the hand of God at work through our food pantry. I will be forever grateful for Eastern Hills' support, kindness, and love to the people we serve. They have truly shown that the foundation of your church is kindness and love. Amazing things happen through partnership. That's bringing peace into conflict. Some of you might be familiar with Syracuse.com. We have a gentleman that attends our church, has been connected with our church for, for quite some time, and he started a ministry called Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Listen to this. Volunteers at Sleep in Heavenly Peace in Syracuse have helped thousands of central New York children get a better night's sleep. But now the nonprofit is reaching a major milestone. On Saturday morning, a team of four volunteers delivered Sleep in Heavenly Peace's 2,000th bed to a seven-year-old. 
The mission of this organization uses local volunteers, civic groups, churches, businesses, and foundation grants to build and deliver beds, children ages three to 17. Specifically, those children forced, guys, listen to this, forced to sleep on the floor, the couch, or multiple children to a bed. That's, that's normal to them. That's what, what they know. But Saturday morning, volunteers built a bunk bed with, with a new mattress, fresh sheets, pillows, and a handmade blanket for this seven-year-old. The soon-to-be eight-year-old claimed the top bunk, a place where she can finally lay her head comfortably. Twelve deliveries of Christmas begins Monday, December 13th. This will mark year three of delivering 78 beds in 12 days. The Syracuse chapter, along with Rise Syracuse, Sleep in Heavenly Peace will also deliver the first beds to Afghanistan refugees on Sunday. This was founded in October 2018, and to date, more than 20,000 hours have been put in by volunteers to reach this milestone. This is what it is. It's peace. Because of the peace that we have in Christ, we now extend peace into other people's lives. We have a choice. We can choose to be a peace breaker, a peace faker, or a peacemaker. Peace breakers look into situations to blow them up. They allow their emotions to get to the best of them. They don't read a situation before they attempt to lead a situation. And they look to form coalitions to, to get other people on the same page and it just causes so much conflict. Peace fakers is when we don't wanna do the hard work of bringing peace, in this, peace into a situation. We might smile and say, yeah, but everything's great, but it's not so much on the inside. Or we see someone at the grocery store and we turn in the opposite direction because we don't wanna have that conversation. Peacemakers look for an opportunity to be like Christ in the most difficult of situations. And for thousands of years, the local church has grown through peacemakers. When it comes to peace, peace is not found in the absence of conflict. Peace is found in God's presence within us. See, in the Old Testament, to be in the presence of God, you have to go to the temple. In the New Testament, the scriptures tell us that we are temples of the living God. And where we go, so goes God's presence. So this Christmas, which will you choose? Peace breaking, peace faking, or peace making? Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. For more information about Eastern Hills, please check out easternhills.org. We would love to pray for you. Email your request to office at easternhills.org. If you would like to donate to the ministry of Eastern Hills, click the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of our website. We look forward to connecting with you again next week. Take care. God bless.